So I'm going to start off with I'm going to start off with prayer because um, what the Lord has asked me to preach on um, is going to be really hard for me to preach on. I mean, I can't preach anyway, but um, and, I, and and you'll find out why in a little bit. Um, but I'm going to pray. I need you guys to be praying for me though as I pray because either the Lord is going to show up and speak through me, or I'm going to. I'm not going to help anybody. I might hurt people's feelings, and that's like the opposite of what I want to do. Okay, so can you, can you guys pray for me? Lord, <clears throat> I um, God, I come before you right now. I, I don't have what it takes to preach this sermon. I don't have what it takes to help anybody, Lord God, and I'm surrounded by people that I know have been really hurt and wounded and betrayed, and I can't fix that I can't heal, I can't restore, I can't make that right, and God, I feel like that's that's what you want to talk about this morning, so I'm asking you, Lord, that you would come in and you would speak to our hearts, Lord God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive what you're saying, open up our eyes, Jesus, so that we can see you in this, Jesus, because that's the only way this is going to change, that's the only way we're going to find healing here, God, is if we can see you. Jesus, and if you come in and you do a big thing, and I know that that's your heart, and you said, ask anything in your name, God, I'm asking this in your name, I'm asking for healing, I'm asking for breakthrough, I'm asking for revival, Jesus, and so I pray that right now as I speak, um, weak and pitiful and wretched as I, I really am, God, that you would still use me, but that your word would go out and it would touch hearts, amen. Um. I'm preaching this morning on forgiveness, and <laughs> it. I'm just going to jump in. Um, a lot of you guys have already heard uh, my testimony, okay, and like the different parts, but I'm just going to tell a part of it again because it helps uh, kind of get at, at what I want to get at in this sermon. Because this was actually like eight years ago now, which feels a little bit weird. I was in school, I was going to Stetson, and I kind of had a crisis of faith. I, I, I came to this place where God said that he is love, and he says all these things, but I kind of sat there and I said, bull, I, I, don't, I don't believe this. Like, my whole Christian life has been a struggle. Where has God been? I don't, I don't buy it. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep doing this, but I just, I don't, I don't buy it. And it was a really rough period of, of time for me because it, it was like everything I had ever known felt like it was a lie, and it felt like I didn't know what to believe, and it felt like I had nothing to hold on to. God did a really big thing during that time, and through a really painful, slow process, really showed me that what He says about Himself in the Word is true. He's not some moralistic tyrant, you know, that wants good behavior out of you or else. That's that's not how he operates. One of the biggest breakthroughs, though, and I want to say I haven't told a lot of people this, but I always say that, and they're like, actually, you've told like 100 people this, so I'm not even going to say it. There was a period of time in which I was going to the Word, and I was like, I don't believe any of this, but God, like, if you don't, if you're not real, and if you're not who you say you are, then life, I don't see anything in the world worth living for, so just let me die I was in the Word, and all these passages about bitterness kept coming up. And it would be like random things. Like I'd flip open my Bible, and something would catch my eye, and I'd read it and be like, okay, that's random bitterness. Who cares? 
and move on, but they kept coming up over and over again. Or somebody would like mention it, or I'd hear it on something like on the radio, or hear it in some sermon. It was just kind of all over the place, and it was really random. And during that period of time, like the Lord did show me that there was a lot of unforgiveness, there was bitterness, there were like wounds in my heart I hadn't dealt with, and offenses that I had with people that I hadn't dealt with. And it was weird for me, because I hadn't really thought about this, and I still don't really think about this so much, but God brought me through a process of forgiving and then him healing my heart from the wounds that I was dealing with, and it was like a breakthrough, because it was like God helped me to forgive and work through and process and have the healing from that, but then all of a sudden it was like blinders had been lifted, and all of a sudden I could understand that God actually loved me. It was like the roof was pulled back, and it was like I don't know how I didn't see this before, but it was almost like something had been lifted so I could finally receive God's love and receive God's heart and receive God's forgiveness. And we're going to look at a couple passages. I'm going to try to keep this really short um, because the bigger portion of time I want for people to be able to spend this morning is actually like in ministry before the Lord and at the altar. So I'm going to preach. We're going to turn the lights off. We're going to play one song over and over and over again. And it's going to be loud enough because I want to open up the altar. If you want to stay at your seat, you can do that too. I'm asking that the leaders not come and do ministry because I'm asking for you to duke something out with the Lord one-on-one, okay, when I'm done. And leaders, I'm going to ask that you take the time and go before the Lord. And if God shows you things to duke it out with him, I want this to be a really personal time between you guys and the Lord. Does that make sense? Go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to go to Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 18. Jim, do you know if Sam was able to cue up that song? Okay, Matthew 18. We're going to start verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And I want you to think about this, because at least for me, sometimes I can feel like distance from these passages. Think about somebody that has hurt you over and over and over again, and it's the same thing. And they apologize every time, but they still keep doing it. You forgive them seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. He goes on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed ten thousand talents. Um, This is a ridiculous amount of money, and I didn't write down what it equates to, but I think a talent is 10 years wages for like the average working man. Does that sound right? I don't remember. I think that's what it is, though. 10 years wages. So think about you're making minimum wage or average wage for like a, a, like a, a worker at McDonald's or something like that, okay? Now imagine working for 10 years, how much money you would make. Now multiply that times how many? How many talents? 10,000. Okay, he's a servant of the king. He's making wages like that. It would take him 10 years to make one of those talents. He owes 10,000 talents. Is this guy ever going to pay off this debt? Not a chance, unless... He does some pretty nefarious things, in which case I still would doubt. Like, you can't kill enough people and take their life savings. 
<laughs> to pay this guy off. Okay, I just want us to have a picture of that. Imagine in your mind, you work for 10 years. Now work for another 10,000 years to try to make that money. And we're talking millions of dollars, okay? He's not paying this back. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And to be fair, that probably still wouldn't come close to paying back the king what he had dished out to this guy to loan him money, okay? So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Did he say he put him on a payment plan? Did he say he lowered the debt? He completely forgave the debt. Millions of dollars just forgiven. Just like that. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. I think a denarii is a day's wages. So we're talking about 100 days wages. Okay, that's a couple months of paychecks. He seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. But should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. I want us to go to um, go back to Matthew 6 now. We're going to read another passage. This is the Lord's Prayer, so we're going to go down to verse 12. <clears throat> and it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Four, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I was reading this the other day, and I was reading this in the context of a sermon that I was reading, and I had known for a week that I was supposed to preach, and I'd been praying and praying and praying, all right, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? What do you want me to teach on? Nothing. And the two other times I've preached, like, the Lord lays something, like, heavy on my heart, like, immediately. And so it's just a little, like, scary, because it was like, God, I have one week left, and I, I don't know what you want me to preach, which is wrong, because it's God's sermon. Like, I didn't need to worry, but anyway. I'm reading this sermon, and it's a good sermon because it's talking about accepting the forgiveness of God, and it's like awesome, and I need to hear this, and I'm reading through it, and it's really powerful, and then this passage comes up, and I don't know what to do with this passage. I don't know what it means, and that's not the point of this sermon, and I don't want us to get hung up on exactly what that means, but I read that, and Lord was like, here you go, and I got really mad. I was like, no, this is not right. This, I, I can't do that. Do you know the people in this room that I'm going to be preaching this sermon to? Do you know what they've been through? Do you know the hurts that they've had levied against them? God, don't you understand, like, the hurt that they're going through? Don't you understand how 
valid it would be for me to say unforgiveness that's that's hard i don't know i don't know how you forgive that i don't and i have to stand up here and read these passages that say you have to forgive And then he directed it to me and said, this is for you too, and I'm telling you this. And then it was like a whole week of God digging up all these things that it's like, God, I thought I'd forgiven these people for this stuff. And he said, no, because look at, look at the way you handle this situation. Look at how your emotions respond when you're in these scenarios. Look at how you're handling this situation. Look how much anxiety is in your heart going into these things and you're dealing with these people and approaching this. And it was like, there is... There's just a lot of dirt in there. And I know you guys, and I've talked to some of you, and know the things that you've been through, and it sucks. And it's like there's a lot of dirt in there, and there's a lot of damage, and there's a lot of carnage. And I don't know how I, don't know how I look at you guys and speak to you and say, okay, we got to forgive because we got to move forward. Because that's not how this works. The things you guys have been through are valid, hurtful, horrible, wretched things. And you've been through things and had people treat you in ways that are wretched and horrible and not right. And it's not okay. It's not. I don't care if you're the worst person on earth. You're still made in the image of God. And it's not okay for another human being to do what that person did to you. It's not. It's not okay. But somehow we have to forgive because he says it in here. And somehow the forgiveness that God has for us is in the balance here. And I don't understand what that balance is. But Jesus, Jesus said really harsh things to get people's attention to show them what he's saying is serious and it's not a joke it's not a joke that we hold in forgiveness in our heart it's completely impossible for us to forgive the things that have happened i'm going to ask you guys to do something in the ministry time that's not possible i'm going to ask something to happen out of this time that we spend with the lord that cannot happen by human terms it can't it's not right it's not just human beings were not meant to process what you're going to have to process you may have already started to begin to process, but I feel like God has wanted me to preach this because there are things he's going to ask you to process that are not, that are not right. So let's go to the word again. We're going to read a passage in, <clears throat> in Exodus, Exodus 15. And basically the rest of the sermon is going to be all the same examples that I've given in the other two sermons. You guys remember us talking about this passage before? The waters of Mara, the bitter water. There is one answer to every problem. There is one ultimate application to every sermon. There is one right for every wrong that you're ever going to encounter. And it's a person, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to start in verse 23. When they came to Morrow, they could not drink the water of Morrow because it was bitter. Therefore, it is named Morrow, which means bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I didn't see this before. I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log or a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. 
Okay, now keep that in your minds. Now I want us to go to John. <clears throat> John 6, and I'm going to read verse 35 to you. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What did we just eat and drink up here as part of communion? Communion, the bread and the wine, right? Apple juice in our case. <sighs> Jesus says, come to me, believe in me. You will not hunger and you will not thirst. When we have things happen to us that we need to forgive, there are two things that we have to deal with. Okay, when somebody hurts us, there is justice that needs to be administered because something wrong has been done. Okay, It's a valid thing that has been levied against you, and there needs to be justice. And that's the burden that we take up, isn't it? They've hurt us. We want to forgive them, but it would be wrong. And think about what you're hurting with right now. It would be wrong for you to let them off the hook because what if God never punishes them? What if they never get justice for what they did? I can't forgive them. That's not okay. It's not right. And it makes it difficult for us to forgive because we try to hold on to that and we try to carry that burden. And some of you guys have been carrying these burdens for decades. And what I want to point out is he also says that he is he's the living water. Here he says, believe in me, he shall never thirst. I didn't notice this before, but they couldn't drink the water because of bitterness. They couldn't drink the water because of bitterness. I wonder to what extent like our bitterness keeps us from being able to drink from Jesus and to accept the living water because we've got bitterness, and it makes it, um, we can't drink it. The other side of this whole forgiveness thing is when somebody hurts you, they've taken something from you in some way. And that's probably the other part that makes it hard to forgive because you want it back. What they did to you stole They stole your purity. They stole your ability to properly and healthily cope with the world. They stole your ability to receive God's love. They stole your ability to feel like a normal person when you wake up in the morning and to face the day like normal people and want to be alive. They stole your sexual identity from you because now you don't know who you are and you don't know how to relate to yourself and you function in ways you don't understand anymore and your whole body is messed up and you don't know what to do with that. They stole wholeness from you. They stole trust from you because now you don't know how to trust anybody anymore. There was somebody that you really love and were supposed to protect you and be there for you and fight for you and they didn't and they hurt you. And they stole that from you. That person was supposed to be there for you, and they stole that from you. And it's not right, and it's not okay. 
And it goes on. I can't even list all the things that they stole from you, but it's wrong, and now you're missing it, and it's not there. And the problem is they can't even give it back to you because the damage they did can't be, they can't just reverse that. You can't just say, oh, my bad, or sorry, and it's just right. They can't. And they can't receive justice either because there's no way on earth they're ever going to understand what they've done to you. And they can't understand the depth of the sorrow and the hurt and the brokenness they brought to you because they don't even realize what they've done. So you're stuck. Because how can there be justice and how can you be recompensed? How can you be restored? That person can't do it. They've done this damage and, it's, and they're, they're gone for all practical purposes because they can't bring you justice even if you were to bring that justice on them. Guys, if you could do whatever you wanted to do to bring justice against that person, it wouldn't be true justice. They can't carry that weight. They can't carry that burden. They don't know what they did. So as much as you want to hurt them at times, as much as you want to hurt yourself sometimes to somehow bring justice, none of that, you can't. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. And they can't give it back to you either. The things that they stole, they can't give it back. They can't. And it's not right. And you're carrying this burden. You're carrying this emptiness around with you. What do you do with that? We need to forgive. But it's not that easy, right? People have told you that before. And you've thought that before. I need to forgive this person. I need to get over this. This is ruining my life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do no good thing. What I think is interesting here is the metaphor of the water or the vine, the wine and the bread. Jesus' blood represents what he did on the cross. It represents the truth of the gospel. So when we take that drink and we drink that, that is everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Okay? That is the blood. That is the water that we drink. That is that, is that side of this. That is the justice side of this equation with the forgiveness. Because guess what? That horrible, wretched thing and the full weight of all the shame and the guilt and the crushing that that act deserved fell on Jesus and you felt every ounce of it. All the hurt that you want that person to feel, all the justice that you want that person to feel, it fell in God's crushing, raging wrath against that act on Jesus. All the justice that you so want and you so need in this situation, that was poured in wrath. God poured his wrath on Jesus for that. And Jesus didn't have a seared conscience. Jesus had, didn't have some diminished ability to be able to perceive the weight and the gravity of that. Part of the virgin birth means he wasn't born of a man and he didn't have the curse in that sense. His conscience worked. His intimacy with God was perfect. And in that moment, the intimacy with God was gone and the full rage of God's wrath fell on Jesus and he felt every bit of it and every single person that thing has done to you. And if it's been done over and over and over and over and over again, and they don't even care, Jesus did. And he felt all the shame and all the guilt and all the condemnation that those actions did deserve. 
And Jesus was strong enough to bear it so that the full extent of God's wrath could be poured out. It didn't fall short. With us, I feel like we would start with that person or us. We would start to feel God's wrath and we would die. We're not strong enough to bear it. We can't. That person that you want to feel the justice, they can't. Because if even a little bit of that justice was truly poured out on them, they, they, would, they would be crushed. But Jesus wasn't. And the bread and Jesus himself and the resurrection is the other part of this forgiveness equation. You need to be made whole. You had something taken from you and it's gone and it's missing. But Jesus rose from the dead to give you newness of life. He rose from the dead to send his Holy Spirit. He rose from the dead to give you a new quality of life so your life doesn't have to look the way it did anymore. You don't have to be strong enough to bear the weight of this hurt any longer. But we have to come to him because in him is the restoration that we need. He is the divine physician. He is the healer. He is the whole Bible is there just so we can see the many facets of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Your purity is restored in Jesus. Your sexual identity is restored in Jesus. Your identity as a person is literally found in Jesus. Your dignity as a human being is found and restored in Jesus. Your ability to trust and believe again is in Jesus. And he promises that. And he has promised to take every horrible thing that has ever happened in your life, in your life and turn, turn it into your good. And what is the greatest good that you could ever receive on this planet ever? It's Jesus. It's intimacy with him. And if you don't know that, I'm telling you that. The greatest good you can ever receive is Jesus. It's intimacy with him. It's not the many things that he promises us. It's not the things that we get from living a pure life with Jesus. It's not the stuff that we get for obeying. It's him. In him is found fullness of life. That's a promise. He promises, I will work out all things for the good of my people. He promises not withhold any good thing from you. Those are promises. God promised that to you. Jesus promises that to you right now. Jesus says the answer is right here. <clears throat> I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And some of you have been holding this hurt and you have not come to him and you don't believe the things that I just said. Maybe you haven't in the past. And you can't change that either. You can't drum up the faith required to believe. But Jesus can give you that faith. And some of you, you literally can't even come to him. It's like, I can't. I can't dig this up and give this to him. I can't let him do that. 
That's valid. But you can fall on your face and ask him to help you bring this. You can cry out and ask him to give you faith to believe. Let me read another passage. And then we're going to maybe go to talk about it later. Some of you cannot understand what I'm talking about and cannot move through this process because you don't understand that you have been forgiven. And maybe you think you do. Okay. But I want you to look at your life and pray about it and ask because you may not. I think all of us to some extent can understand this idea better that we are forgiven. Let me read this passage. And if you don't know that you're forgiven, I want you to hear this. This is in Micah, and I don't want you to just listen, okay? This is in Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. I have sinned against him, but he pleads his cause, or he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light, and I shall look upon his vindication. Lord, I pray that right now, if there's anybody in this room that does not understand that they are forgiven, if they're a believer, Lord, and maybe they've started to understand this idea, but they're really wrestling and they don't understand how you could forgive this sin. I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our eyes. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us faith. I pray, Lord God, that you would allow us to see you because you plead our cause. You administer justice for us. Jesus, if we're not a believer, help us to see that we've sinned against you. If we're believers and we're not repentant in an area, help us to see the weight of our sin. Help us to see that we've betrayed you and we've chosen other things to be satisfied and refused that of you. But don't let us just see the weight, the crushing weight of our sin. God, we can't, even as believers, we can't. We can't conceive the true weight of our sin But Jesus, it's on the cross, and you bore that, and you were strong enough, and the crushing weight of that sin that is too much for us to handle, you bore so that you could plead our cause, so that you could administer justice on our behalf, not against us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see that our sins are completely forgiven, and you do not hold them over us any longer, God. That sexual sin that we feel like you cannot forgive, it's forgiven. That abortion from the past that haunts us is forgiven. That horrible thing that we did to that friend 
it's forgiven. This addiction that we keep falling into over and over and over, it's forgiven. This inability to get free from finding my satisfaction in food or in TV or in video games or in pornography, it's forgiven. Those are horrible, horrible things, but they're on the cross right now. When Jesus died, he bore the full weight of that sin and it crushed and he bore it and it's done and it's finished and it's completely done away with because we are forgiven in Christ. But God, now we have to deal with these other things and they have affected our lives in greater ways than we can even comprehend and they've completely altered God, they've altered our bodies even, Jesus. They've broken our minds and our bodies and, and, and who we are, and we don't know what to do with it anymore, and it's caused so much damage, and it's not right, and there's been no justice. There's been no restoring of what was taken away, what was destroyed. But Jesus, you promised to fix all of that, so we're crying out to you that right now, God, and as we fall on our faces before you at the altar, we're at our chairs, we're sitting in our seats. God, please deal with our hearts right now. Please show us the truth of your gospel and how that justice was administered on Jesus and how we can find full restoration from everything that was taken or broken in the person of Jesus who's living inside of us right now. And as we are weeping, he weeps. You are weeping with us right now, Lord God. Your heart breaks over the brokenness that's in us. Your heart breaks over the tears that we cry. And you sit there with us weeping because you're in us. God, you're living with us right now by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would help us to see, Jesus, that everything that we need can be found in you. Give us the faith to even begin to imagine that that could take place. And every single place in our hearts, Lord God, that has been crushed and we don't even want to believe anymore because we've been so hurt by that in the past. We've been so hurt by trust. We've been so hurt by believing and hope. And it's crushed us in the past. Lord God, give us hope again. Give us faith again. Stand before us and reveal your mighty arm that works justice on our behalf and that works restoration for his people and that gives us back sevenfold everything that the devil has taken from us, that comes in and heals all of the broken places that we, even we don't know that are there, that comes in and loves us when no one else can love us, that comes and bears us up when no one else can bear us up, that comes in and can be patient with us, bearing with every single weakness because you became like one of us and you know what weakness we bear with God and you're with us right now so that you can be with us in this situation. You died, you came to earth and you lived and you died and you rose again just for that to break down these walls of hostility that stood between us and you and so you could be with us every moment of every day every black moment where we where we we don't even want to live anymore lord god you want to be with us in that and you are and i pray that right now every scheme of the enemy would be broken down to pieces every stronghold of the enemy would be destroyed with the fire of your holy spirit jesus and you would come in and restore what the devil never meant for anybody to even see now it's coming to light in our hearts you've exposed it jesus because you want to bring healing and you don't want us to be held back any longer from drinking deeply from the spirit of life from the living water that is jesus 
And I pray, Lord God, that right now you would do a work inside of our hearts so that we can come before you and believe and we can eat and drink and be satisfied and no longer drink from these empty cisterns where we are drinking mud and it just makes us more hungry and more thirsty and it's ruining our lives. Jesus, we can't do this. We can't. We can't forgive these people. We can't move on. And we definitely can't fix the damage and the carnage that is left over in our lives from all of this, Jesus. You are the only hope that we have right now. I'm going to have them turn out the lights and start the song. Jesus, I pray that right now you would do a work in our hearts. And I pray that you would not let us go. Do not let the enemy distract us. Do not let Do not let the enemy win here, God. I pray that you would step in and you would do what only you can do. And you would bring the justice and the healing and the forgiveness that we need.